0: Hello, and welcome back to the DEX podcast. I am your host, Donya, and I work for the Disrupting Exploitation Programme at the Children's Society, which supports young people at risk of or currently being exploited. The DEX podcast aims to amplify the voices of young people and the issues they are currently facing. In this episode, I had an amazing conversation with a very inspiring young person called Taylor, who shares his story from being in prison to now working with young offenders. He works for Youth Inc, a lived experience-led charity led by people with experience of the criminal justice system. Youth Inc believes that by including marginalised people in developing solutions, you can build youth justice solutions that actually meet the needs of those lives that stand to benefit the most. In this episode, we talk about the stigma of mental health, violence in our London communities, the resilience of young people and the power of believing in young people, prevention, understanding trauma and advice for young people who may feel lost in the criminal justice system. And here are some really powerful insights from Taylor that have featured in this episode.
1: I wasn't eight years old wanting to be smoking weed and, you know, carrying knives and, being around violence, I didn't want that for my life. I didn't chase it. I didn't dream about it. I didn't want to experience these things, but I wanted to live well. I wanted to have money in my pocket. I wanted to have gas on my my gas meter. I wanted electric in the house. I wanted a warm bath. I wanted a warm meal. I wanted my mum to be happy and be comfortable and not always worrying and stressing about being evicted or not having food on her plate. Going to jail when I was 19 was a big hit because I was in jail. I was on my own, I wasn't with my friends. I had to be in cells with people I didn't know, fight people I didn't know. You know, fortunately, you think represented almost like a pathway out. I used that experience to work with young people, discuss with them about how I moved forward, how I went from carrying a knife to carrying a bag with a computer in it. How I went from being around illegal ways of making money to being in meetings with councillors and the ministers. I think big issue lies around the stigma of mental health. Made sure that I didn't let my traumas define me and I didn't let my own ignorance block my path. From my experience of things it's very much the top-down system. You know we're told what to expect, we're told what's happening. We have an ability to change these things but we don't really feel like we do. I think one thing definitely that that young people ain't given a lot of is young people are smart, especially young people within the criminal justice system. That connection and that collaboration really is important to the success of our future generations.
0: Hi Taylor, welcome to the Disrupting Exploitation Podcast. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to actually be having this conversation with you and getting into some of the things and some of my experiences and You know, some of the problems that young people are facing.
0: I'm really excited because I feel that there's so much to talk about and so much to unpick about lived experience. And I'm here to learn, to be honest. You know, when I first saw you, it was through a recorded interview you were doing with a community TV trust. And I was really interested in your story. You work for YouThink, and you went from being a volunteer to a sessional worker to a full time worker. So we know that you think is led by people with lived experience of the criminal justice system. Can you tell us more about Youth Inc. and your journey?
1: Yeah. So currently, now I'm a project leader. Youth Inc. And like you said, I've, I started from a volunteer. I got to know Youth Think when I was 17. So Youth think's, like you said, a lived experience-led organisation, and we aim to improve rehabilitation of young people and improve. The kind of knowledge around mental health and emotional well being, reduce the stigmas around it through our lived experience because, I mean, I'm living proof. I mean, a lot of the problems that I struggled with growing up were direct factors into the decisions I was making, the lifestyle I was living. And, you know, fortunately, you think represented almost like a pathway out for me to um, improve, learn, and just grow as a person. So, you know, I've been a part of it since 17, since I was on a knife order. The things that I've learned, the things I've done, I never would have thought that I would have done. So I've gone off to the Ministry of Justice, I've met with ministers. I've been able to share my experience and actually seeing how much value my experience has on just people and um, how, how much people must respect the change and, and understand and sympathize with the problems that we go through. And I, I never really thought so many people did. To see that was great. It always pushes me to, to keep going and keep doing better. You know, people from my community and from outside of my community always pushing me to do better because of how far I've progressed. Like you said, I've, I've been at UFIN for four years and in those four years I've gone from volunteer to a project lead, which for me is amazing.
0: Yeah, that's huge. This is why I was so interested and excited to speak to you. And there's a few things that you mentioned there, like you talked about the importance of having knowledge of mental health. Do you feel like criminal justice system, does it take that into consideration with young people?
1: I think the big issue lies around the stigma of mental health and emotional well-being and its abuse and, you know, talking about yourself with people that you don't know because, you know, I never really used to share completely how I felt with any of my youth offending service officers, any of my teachers, you know, even my mum. You know, I really struggled with communicating how I felt. So, it was never that I never had the opportunities because I've been offered counselling, I've had anger management and all these sorts of things growing up, but it was just that it didn't fit what I needed or it didn't fit what I felt I needed to, to progress and to, to move forward because I always felt like the support around me was not not wrong. It was, it was I had a lot of good influences, but I feel like it just didn't mesh with who I was as a person and what I related with. I always say that like, I'm not a mental health expert. You know, I work on it through my lived experience through the emotional well-being side of it and we work with a lot of other organizations to provide mental health support for young people at CAMS and stuff like that and so does um, the criminal justice system and they do a good job with young people like supporting them we've had young people ourselves in our organization have gone through CAMS and been able to progress um, in their mental health flourish really in places where they may have not been expected to. Mm. and that is because of the mental health work that is on in the system it's just like i said it's about breaking down that stigma and making it feel more relatable for people i believe
0: of course and that's where the power of lived experience really comes from as well when you're talking to someone that maybe young people might feel what does this professional know or maybe they've spoke to professionals before they've not trusted them but then you're speaking to someone that similar age may have had some similar experiences And suddenly, don't you feel like the odd one out? You feel like you can actually share and open up a little bit. I thought it was really powerful that you said that before that you felt like because of the changes that you've been making, it pushes you to progress more. It pushes you to become a better person. You talked about early experiences with the police from the age of 12 which is really young and you said that even though I was still a young person I was still very much treated like a criminal and you said that because of that you started to have a very big disconnect from your community from society from your family you said it made me feel like I wasn't part of a system I wasn't part of society which I thought was really powerful that really hit me when I listened to that interview so how does being seen as a criminal from an early age affect a young person?
1: I mean, one thing I'll definitely say is because you don't understand the system, things happen in such a way, and because we don't get it and we don't ask questions or even the answers to our questions, we still don't understand. I think that also makes things a lot worse. You know, I have, I've had direct experiences, like I said, of police officers saying to my mum, be careful with him, like, he's not good and that. I've had direct experience of teachers telling people in my school that like, he's a bad kid and stuff like that. And those are the direct things that affect me. But then also, like I said, because I don't understand the court system, you know, when I was in courts and in police stations and things were taking long and I was getting angry, those things also made me feel like I wasn't a part because I also just didn't recognize that that's how the system was and that's how the system is. And I feel that the disconnect from society, you know, it can have a really big impact on you as a person because, like I said, a lot of my influences around me, you know, I had a very big positive influence in my mum definitely a very big positive influence but like the the community i was in wasn't wasn't the nicest wasn't the best i mean i can tell you stories where i remember going i think i was going to get my TCSE results or to the mock exams or something yeah i opened my front door and someone had just been bottled outside my house and like there was all police taped off so there was all blood all over my like front yard and all of that so like those are the that's the kind of area i grew up around and it's funny because i swear if you walked around here you would not I think none of that happens around there yeah. but um you know all of these things just made me feel like I wasn't a part of the normal life because I had friends that you know whose dads and mums work legit jobs I got a friend whose mom is like a domestic violence lawyer I think or something like that but she's in law and you know when I go to their house and they're having cheese boards and yeah. you know movie night and Nan's coming down and she's like knitting on the, this damn sofa and that <laughs> like that's wild to me because yeah. to me family's always been me and my mum and my uncle would visit for Christmas, my mum would visit for Christmas. Mum mm-hmm. and my auntie don't speak. Mm-hmm. Nan died when I was young, so that's another support system that was gone. So, you know, I just felt like I was pretty much, pretty much alone. Right?
0: Growing up in an area where violence is literally happening at your doorstep, but you've got friends that are living a completely different life. So you're seeing, here's one reality of life, where there's a large family, a support system, cheese boards, and, you know, this sort of sense of luxury, and then you're feeling in your life, you're just seeing violence at your doorstep, you're having experience with police officers, you're not being spoken to well. So I can see why you must have felt just completely at odds, like completely disconnected. And it's just, it's a real shame for me that it just seems time and time again, when I talk to people, I feel like an ongoing theme is something around communication and that communication barrier, Not understanding the court system, not understanding the questions, not understanding the responses, what you're meant to do next. Very confusing experience to go through the criminal justice system and just not feel like you understand what's going on. But we're not taught to question the system. Previously said when we last spoke that you remember hearing gunshots on your near your estate, old estate where carrying a knife was normal smoking weed was normal how do you survive growing up surrounded by violence and do you feel like a lot of the young people you work with normalize violence
1: I mean, to survive because I think a lot of people are surviving I wouldn't even say a lot of people are living I think to survive like I think it's just a mixture of things I mean there's luck there's being quick on your feet there's you know I mean You can live in that environment and be legit and and not do any sort of crime and live comfortably and not be violent. But I think for some people, that's not the way they want to live, like always worrying about walking down the alleyway or always worrying about walking through the estate. You know, some people just want to walk in their area. And, you know, it's a shame that I live in an area where just doing things like that can cause problems. It's a shame that I live in an area where, you know, being out at certain times, people are worried about getting robbed just because it's dark out and stuff like that. And um, I think, you know, to survive somewhere like this, I mean, it's not really like anywhere else. It's just about being, you know, knowing your surroundings. To us, it's normal, so it's not survival. I mean, after changing a lot of the ways I live, I mean, I would call it survival. But, you know, for a lot of people, it's not even just survival. It's just life, and that's every day, and that's normal to people. So it's really difficult to kind of explain how you survive, because when you're doing it... Mm -hmm. It's just normal to do that. It's normal to run from a police officer. It's normal yeah. to, you know, put a load of stuff in your pockets or wear a couple tracksuits to hide stuff or to, you know, make things not look so bait because that's just what everyone else does. Yeah. You know? So it's really difficult about how you survive. I think. I think one thing definitely that that young people ain't given a lot of is young people are smart, especially yeah. young people within the criminal justice system because you definitely have to have your wits about. Yes,
0: smart quick thinking this is the thing the sort of skills that you're developing when you're under that sort of threat and actually I like that you said that young people are smart because I don't feel like often enough we start talking about the strengths and aspirations of young people Mm -hmm. I just I think what I was reflecting is it's difficult difficult to imagine like growing up where not feeling safe might be a common experience for you where you feel like you're on guard the whole time and you're feeling that threat is around the corner the whole time. It's it, mm. That that environment could be so different for so many other young people that might not be growing up like that. So it's difficult to try to imagine what is it like to be in an environment where but, violence could happen or you could get robbed or you have to watch yourself at night. You know, it's, it's not a normal experience for everyone. That's why I'm trying to understand putting it in context. Yeah,
1: it's so difficult because like what I would call being safe some of my friends like I said because they live different lifestyles
0: yeah
1: they'd call it paranoia it's just little things like I don't walk down the street and just look one way I'm always kind of looking everywhere for me it's not paranoia but to all my friends it's like why are you being paranoid why are you looking around everywhere why are you why are you coming to the house and like looking around the room and all of these things but that's just like stuff that I've always done so to me it's just normal to do that
0: it's quite scary the idea of being worried about being stabbed as well and I think what I'm thinking of is you know if you've grown up in that way where you're kind of like looking around your shoulder and you're not feeling 100% safe a lot of the time is that similar would you say to some of the young people that you work with because you talked about them sort of growing up in the same area do you find there's that shared a little bit of a shared experience there
1: yeah completely I mean sometimes you don't even really need to say anything in sessions on certain topics because you just you just kind of say one thing and everyone knows what you're talking about like there's no there's no need to kind of evolve it I think I think sometimes sometimes it's as simple as I was carrying a knife because I didn't want to get stabbed and I think sometimes it can get too too technical for young people to wear how can I put it I think you know for me it was like I remember when I got arrested for possession of a knife there was a victim involved in the case and me and him had previous issues and all of this and for me like I mean maybe it was but for me I don't feel like none of those previous issues were brought into the case and all of that like me and him had had issues before and the crux of it is basically I chased him away from my house and I had a knife on me at the time. But because of the way everything was, nothing kind of went towards me in my favour. Do you get what I'm trying to explain? Like,
0: like the system was working against you?
1: Yeah, like my solicitor wasn't good and I didn't understand the system. And a lot of these young people, that's what they're facing, that's the problems mm-hmm. that are going on. So when you've experienced that and you've been through it with them, you sometimes just talk to them about it and they completely get what you're saying to them.
0: Yeah. And so I would,
1: I'd completely agree that young people are still facing the same problems that I'm facing. And, you know, I'd say they're even worse because, you know, I didn't have to deal with the kind of pressure from social media. Yeah. And I didn't have to deal with the kind of pressure that the financial world puts on young people now. Like I feel like money is skyrocketing and booming and things are getting so expensive compared to what I remember them as families ain't making much more than what average income was when I was that when I was younger so you know young people are still definitely facing the same problems and they may even be worse for them you know
0: yeah it's sad like you said because it's the pressures of social media to make money it's unrealistic and it's just like actual burden for young people to be watching this through the adverts through social media the whole time getting flooded with messages about who they need to become what they need to be wearing how much they need to be owning what their car needs to look like and if you've come from a family where you don't have a lot of money you know it's normal to have an aspiration in life that you want to have enough you can see how people get caught up when actually they're just trying to have enough and they can see other people that have that money and then they don't we do want more for ourselves we should want more for ourselves
1: I wouldn't even Um, call it more I'd call it enough you know it's like like I said like I've, I've been able to experience very different things and I think with some of the friends that I had if, if I'd known them earlier or if I'd have motivated myself to actually be closer with them I might have been on a different path but you know I was I was being at friends houses and they have a whole extra fridge just for drinks
0: Wow.
1: and then I'm at home and you know I come home and I open the cupboard to get some bread or the bread bin or whatever and the bread's all moldy and that so yeah. there's not bread. I've either got a run shot with the last £2 that I got that I was going to take to school yeah, or I gotta just go hungry until I get to school. All of these decisions that I'm living with, I see some of my friends never really had to live with them.
0: No. I like actually what you're saying there. It's not about having more, more, more. It's actually having enough to survive and getting your basic needs met. And it's just weird for such a, a country that's such a wealthy, rich country economically that we have a lot of young people living meeting below the poverty line not having enough scraping to get enough money for food it shouldn't be that way and I think it puts things into context when you think about some of the young people that you might be working with may have had those sort of similar experiences and we are in many ways we are a product of our environment we are you know who we hang around with what our environment is like We need to nourish young people. They need to have the opportunities. They need to have the resources. They need to have people to talk to. They need to have family support if there's not enough money that's being made. So I appreciate you actually putting the reality of the situation in there.
1: Yeah, no, but there's one big positive with it though, definitely. Young people have so much like resilience and transferable skills. Yes. And and it's just the tiniest bit of fine tuning that a lot of people in this world need. And especially young people within the criminal justice system. I mean, young people like myself at the time. You know, yeah. like I said, I never would have expected that I'm here talking to you about all these things being in the system. Yeah. A lot of these young people have been and volunteered with us. People would never have expected them to do the things they've done. Young yeah. 14-year-olds talking with ministers and all of this. And it is because of the lifestyle and the areas we grow up in. These skills are just almost second nature to some of us.
0: Yeah. Most people wouldn't be able to deal with half of the things that some young people are facing and some of the experiences that you've had yourself. I do completely agree with you, like the resilience that it takes to actually deal with challenges in life that actually most people wouldn't even begin to understand those challenges. And I like the fact that you said there's something about actually just giving people a chance and not seeing the worst in people. I think that's something I've noticed a lot working with young people that have been excluded from school. There's something about them, you know, when they talk to me about being known as the naughty kid, the bad kid, and, you know, this teacher assumed the worst of me. And that the difference it can make when we're not talking about assuming the worst, this is the bad kid, they've done this wrong, and actually going, no, they've got potential here. So it's a, it's a powerful story. I wanted to talk about... You know, you, you said that it's easy to get out at 15 compared to adults that become more entrenched. Why did you say it's easy to get out at 15? You know, why is it important to intervene early, do you think?
1: I mean, reflection on what I said, I think, I think it's never easy. I think in comparison to an older age, it definitely is easier. Yeah, it's never easy. I think it's, it's always something that's difficult for a young person, and adult. I think it's more about that education. I think everyone at every age wants to learn and wants to improve, but I feel that after being entrenched in certain things for so long, sometimes it can be so difficult to reach and actually engage with some people. And that doesn't mean that they'll never improve and they'll never be able to change. It just means that it's better to prevent something rather than cure it. So it's better to work with young people who are, you know, surrounded by it or, you know, may have had one or two negative experiences. You know, some young people may have experienced horrible things, and, you know, that's where the work, you know, can become harder. But it's easier to reach a young person who knows one person who's been stabbed or witnessed one stabbing than an adult who's witnessed nine and may have stabbed people himself or been stabbed themselves. Mm-hmm. So when I say that it's easy to get out 15, it, it's, it's easier yeah. because you haven't experienced as much, so you're not as shaped by, by your experiences.
0: A lot of what you said was really powerful there, it's about It's better to prevent something rather than to cure it. So we shouldn't just be waiting for it to get to crisis, waiting for people to be entrenched in crime and then trying to solve the problem when it's too hard. And also I thought it was interesting that you said that young person, you may not be as moulded by your experiences, whereas if you've lived this life with stabbings and crime and robbing and not feeling safe, it's been going on for decades, it must be so much more difficult to change. At that point, or see a different picture. I sort of can imagine that your job is trying to show young people a different picture to what they're currently seeing. This isn't the only vision for your life. Can you imagine something that looks different? How can we help you to get to something that you want? I also love that you focused on talking about education. You said that everyone wants to learn, everyone wants that chance to improve. Do you feel that with the young people that you work with
1: yeah definitely people want to make money
0: yeah
1: and the reality is people are willing to learn to do a lot of things to make money you know people want to be doctors but because they have to make money they'll learn how to flip a burger and work at mcdonald's when they're 18
0: yeah but they don't
1: want to flip burgers their life their whole life young people who have no money they they may have a criminal record they may not be able to get work I mean I can I can vouch for that myself I remember looking for work when I was 14 and I was under 16 so I couldn't get a job and I remember looking for work at 18 and I couldn't get a job because of my record and things like that lots of things pushed me into criminal lifestyle but the reality is I wanted to make money so I learned how to do what I wanted to do yeah and I didn't want to do it I never I wasn't eight years old wanting to to be smoking weed and you know carrying knives and being around violence, I didn't want that for my life. I didn't chase it. I didn't dream about it. I didn't want to experience these things. But I wanted to live well. I wanted to have money in my pocket. I wanted to have gas on my, you know, what I mean, on my gas meter. I wanted electric in the house. I wanted a warm bath. I wanted a warm meal. I wanted my mum to be happy and be comfortable and not always worrying and stressing about being evicted or not having food on her plate and stuff like that. So, I learned how to make money. And unfortunately, the way I was shown wasn't the most healthy way to, to, to sustain my lifestyle that I wanted. Like, that's, that's the crux of it. you know. If someone had shown me, I mean, my mum's got a really good friend like, that she grew up with. She's in property. And I swear to you, I was 17 on bail at her house. And mm-hmm. I looked at how she was living and I was so mad at myself because I was like, if I knew I had this opportunity right here to come and talk to you about stuff, And stay here or come visit here and talk to you about what you do I would have learned how to flip houses from a young age and probably focused more in school and been more motivated to do that because I would have seen a path for myself.
0: I'm taken back because it's really really powerful what you said once again and I really appreciate you being so honest about your experiences. It stood out to me first of all you know when you said that you weren't dreaming about Doing crime or carrying a knife or smoking weed, that when you're a young person, no one, no young child is dreaming about that. But you probably are dreaming of having your basic needs met, having a nice house, having a car to go around, having a warm bath. And I think often there is this stigma and there is this judgment that you know, you've chosen to sell drugs, you've chosen to carry a knife, you've chosen this lifestyle. And I feel like it's such a simplistic view and it's such a narrow minded view when actually every child wants to learn and every child wants their basic needs met. And sometimes because of the environments that we're in, the way we do that, like you said, becomes unhealthy. Or I think like that's really powerful when you talked about, you know, you saw your mum's friend that was in property that you know, made, you know made a good life for herself. If you would have seen that earlier, you could have pictured that for yourself. And this is when we come to think about the power of role models and mentors, because, you know, there's like a quote, I've, I swear, I've, you know, I've said it before. You can't be what you can't see. So if we're not seeing models of success for young people, they can't imagine that for themselves. I'm really, really glad that you shared that because I think it just opens people's minds up a little bit. I, Also really, really wanted to talk about trauma with you because I know that trauma is something that a lot of young people are struggling with, sort of traumas that maybe most people wouldn't understand. How does you think use a trauma-informed approach? Like, what does that even mean, trauma-informed?
1: Through understanding my own traumas and how I got to where I am by understanding my own traumas, I use that experience to work with young people, discuss with them about how I moved forward how I went from carrying a knife to carrying a bag with a computer in it how I went from you know being around illegal ways of making money to being in meetings with the councillors and the ministers it's more about sharing and showing my struggles and how I how I persevered through my struggles and how I made sure that I didn't let my traumas define me and I didn't let my own ignorance block my path because the reality is if I didn't try and educate myself or continue to try and educate myself as much as I could about myself and my own emotions and my own feelings and, you know, the way in which things have actually made me feel and affected me, I wouldn't be able to share my experience and the way I share it. I wouldn't be able to explain the way I felt properly and I wouldn't be able to paint. picture the way I do because I wouldn't understand it myself I wouldn't understand who I was and why I do what I do because like I said when I was committing crimes it wasn't because I wanted to it wasn't because I knew exactly why I was doing it you know there's things that I've done because I was reacting because I was angry because I wanted to get back or because I wanted to prove someone wrong it wasn't even just because I wanted to do it and that's a very big influence in people's lives is what other people think or say to them teacher saying you're not going to amount to anything. You know, young people that experience yeah. that. They might just go even harder in the crime because nah I'm going to make all this money now just to prove you wrong.
0: Exactly. But they
1: may make decisions based off that feeling and emotion that they may have not made previously. You know, those things really do affect you. And it's about yeah. discussing with yeah. young people about how those emotions affect us and what we're actually thinking and wanting to do compared to how we're feeling about it.
0: Yeah. So important to break down thoughts and feelings. How does that influence our behavior? And what's behind that anger, like what what message is that anger saying? And I like that you said it's, you know, it's not about choosing to commit crimes. It's sometimes it's reacting and it's reacting to emotions and triggers. And also it seems like, you know, when you talk about, you know, you think being trauma informed, it it seems like the reason that you use trauma-informed approaches is because it's not just about the education and training about what trauma is and the brain and the effects it has. It's actually about Starting from home, starting with yourself, understanding your own trauma so that through personal experience, you can then help other people.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I said previously, I think if I didn't actually learn about my experiences and how they truly made me feel, I wouldn't have understood a lot of my behaviors because I mean, I've always been quite explosive and it's always kind of been like just almost like a ticking time bomb, like one thing that one day I might just blow over the next day it would make me bug out. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: screaming in corridors, shouting at teachers, getting into the fights, just just over dumb stuff. Like, not even because I felt threatened, like, just because I'm a ball of anger or I'm a ball of stress or I'm a ball of upset. Like, all my emotions just came out as an explosion. And that understanding that really allowed me to work on it. Mm -hmm. Because then I started noticing where... I don't need to be angry. Like, why am I getting angry? And it was never just over the course of a day. You know, it would be one day I'd bug out at someone. But where I might not go and apologise to them, I'd go chat to them and be like, oh, sorry, bro. Like, I shouldn't have done that. that. That was wrong with me.
0: It was like almost taking that responsibility for our emotions. Like, do you feel like you now you've processed a lot of emotional stuff in that way now?
1: I think for a while... I I was kind of just coasting you know I was with you think 17 18 I was making a little bit of money here and there I might have got a little bit of a part-time work somewhere cash in hand you know I was just getting by and just going with it the way it was but the moment that I kind of properly sat down and decided to take things seriously and focus on myself and what I cared about and what I thought and felt I flourished and Mm -hmm. and I've seen that with so many young people that have you know, worked alongside us, volunteered with us, worked with us, you know, moved on, you know, there's, there's young people that I know personally I get on with, we chill and that, and they've moved on to, you know, getting their own houses, and Amazing. the environment they're in, and young people getting, you know, full-time work, getting promoted within six, seven months, and all of these sorts of things, and flourishing in, in, in the roles that they're in. For me personally, I don't think I was going to stop until I had a big hit, and Going to jail when I was 19 was a big hit because I was in jail. I was on my own. I wasn't with my friends. I had to be in cells with people I didn't know, fight people I didn't know, Mm. find my footing in a world that I'd never been in because I'd never been in jail and I wasn't affiliated with like gangs and stuff. So for me, I didn't know people in jail and I didn't know who to be cool with or who not to. I just had to kind of find that out. That's just to explain that Some young people in reality are going to be hard-headed, are going to be stubborn, aren't going to listen. And you know what? They might continue to do crime until their 20s or their early 20s. But if they've experienced something completely different to what they're always thinking is in the system, it's going to stay with them and it's going to shape certain morals and certain thoughts and feelings, I believe, because I will never forget. My experiences that you think. And I'm pretty sure most of my colleagues would say the same thing.
0: Mm. It's like I think you said it before, it's like planting a seed, really, because you can't change what someone's early childhood experiences or certain thick major things that may have happened in their life that will then shape how they see themselves, how they see the world, how they see the future. And I think your journey and your experience is such a powerful story of, you know, going through so much struggle. And then the little things that happened and the people that helped or the platforms that helped. And then you yourself helped yourself, really. I think that's what the big story is. You had to deal with your emotions. You had to process that. You had to face up to some of your traumas. But it's just really, really empowering to hear stories like this, because I feel like some of the media coverage around young people is so negative. And then reporting on the stabbings and the youth violence and everything can feel really, really heavy and negative. It feels way more empowering to talk to you and hear a story of, you know, this is the reality. This this is how harsh life can be, but it doesn't have to be that way forever. And we can come in early and change that. You've talked in detail about lived experience, but if you could summarise Why do you think it's important for young people caught up in the criminal justice system to speak to people with lived experience?
1: I believe that it's important because, you know, like you said, that quote that you said earlier about you can't be what you can't see. Yeah. And I think if you're not seeing people like yourselves flourish in a legit lifestyle, you know, there's people from my area that have gone on to do legit things. Footballers, rappers, shop owners, businessmen, estate agents, all these sorts of things. You know, there's, there is a lot of variety for what we wanted to do. But a lot of the time, a lot of the people that move away and move out and get legit are because they failed on the streets or because they snitched or because it crumbled them and it crushed them. And they'll never be the same person again or because they got injured or they lost someone. And it's always because of a negative and it's always seen as a negative. or oh, they're washed up. or oh, they're a nerd. Couldn't hack this lifestyle. But to actually see young people and adults and young adults like yourself that did it because they wanted to, did well, that's, that's the influence. I and
0: that's understand. why I say, you
1: know, that's why people want to be footballers. That's why people want to be rappers. It's also because they got out in a way that people don't look down on and people don't shun. That's the way a lot of things go is you gravitate to what impresses you. You gravitate Mm -hmm. to what you feel like you can do and what you would want to do. And the communities and the people around you shape that and they shape each other.
0: I could see how community has been such a huge theme for this as well. And people that you felt supported you or didn't support you in the community. But also, I, I thought it was interesting that you said it's about how important it is to see people like you flourish because they choose to, rather than they were forced into it or they landed into it or they got lucky. It's actually because they choose to and the, the effect that that has by seeing that, because then as a young person, you can go, right, well, if they've done it, that's something I can do as well. I've got that power. I've got that potential to do that. You really... Maybe understand very clearly the difference that that can make for a young person that's been caught up in something or there's been a wrong decision or a wrong influence somewhere down the line. And it's almost like we were saying before, planting that seed, just shifting the trajectory, showing them something different so that it doesn't always have to be that way. OK, so my my last, because I know I, I could talk to you all day, but my last bigger question for you, imagining, you know, you obviously you've, yourself, you've experienced the criminal justice system. But what would you say to a young person that's in a position where they're becoming entrenched in crime? They're feeling lost. They're feeling really stuck. They're not feeling a lot of hope what message would you have for a young person that just feels completely lost in the criminal justice system?
1: For me I think one important thing that I would say to a young person like that is that remembering that you stand on your own two feet and you know sometimes we kind of break that down into this quote of we're strong and we do what we want to do but like you genuinely stand on your own two feet You genuinely do all the things you do and maintain your lifestyle the way you do. And no one can really tell you nothing about that because they don't live like you. They don't experience what you experience. They don't survive how you survive. And no matter what, you got it because you've already got this far. So what's stopping you from going even further?
0: Keep that hope up. That's so important. So you feel there's a sense of we can take responsibility for our life, that we know the best about ourselves. We know the best ways that we can survive, the best ways that we can thrive. Are you saying that it's about trusting yourself a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think if you trust in your decisions, you may make mistakes, but if you trust in your ability to bounce back, you're going to make the right decision after making that mistake. You're going to learn from it and you're going to improve from it. And if you're consistently making the same mistakes, then there's something you've got to change about what you're doing, Mm -hmm. and your whole life can change in an hour, really and truly, if the right things happen or you do the right things. It's always about who we are as people and how we do that. Yeah. Um, At the end of the day, you can just be yourself in your space, as long as you're always maintaining true to your morals. Who can get onto you? Who can tell you're doing wrong?
0: So it's about being true to yourself, recognising you're on your own path, being self-aware. What about for someone that, for a young person that's really struggling with their mental health, what would you say to them?
1: All that I can really say to that, I think, for young people that are really struggling with their mental health is to, to seek the support that works for you. Okay. And to not give up until you find that support. I mean it's stuff that has been said for years but I think sometimes it's not always said by people that actually go through it yeah I mean some of myself who's gone through it and been at my lowest point you know I mean I've I've had a pound 10 and made it last three days and stuff like that I've I've slept on park benches I've slept in hostels where my door don't lock and people are trying to break in and steal my stuff and I'm having to defend my property and all these sorts of things I've had the experience of positive things from police officers and the system to negative experiences. So I'm never gonna come with a bias of, oh I saw this and that, because I know and I understand that it don't always work like that. Because I've lived it. And that 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 I feel is should be a big motivator for a lot of people is other people like them doing it. And again, we're not all the same. So I'm not gonna say that we are because for some people it's like, oh who are you? I'm not like you at all. But that's fine if you feel like that and and continue to feel like that and always push to be unique and be yourself, definitely.
0: I feel like, well, I know I've myself, I've learned a lot from you speaking to you. I feel like so many young people can feel inspired by what you've said and will maybe resonate and really relate to what you've said. And I think it's a lot more powerful, it coming from you, really, someone that understands it on a deep level. What can I say, Taylor? It has been such a pleasure speaking to you, really. I've learned so much and I feel very inspired by you and your story. So you've really, really lifted me up today. I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. And like, honestly, it's been great to meet you and and actually talk about this because, like I said, it's these things that are like the icing on the cake for me. It really is like the cherry on top to have the opportunity to share this and, and see that it is getting through to people and that people understand and can resonate with it because mm-hmm. for years I never felt like any of it did.
0: I know that I won't be the only one that feels inspired and has learnt a lot from your story. So just thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for listening. I really hope you learn a lot from Taylor's story and value his insights as much as I do. Youth Inc. runs a peer-led conversation hub which is six weekly sessions for young people to seek support and have a voice in the justice system. They also have the lived trauma program which is six weekly sessions supporting young people's emotional well-being. For more details about Youth Inc. please see a link to their website in the description. For my next episode I'm hoping to interview young people from Elevated Minds. Which supports the emotional well-being of young people that have been excluded from school. And they have also been delivering some training to the Met police around stop and search. Stay tuned for that episode. Thanks for listening.